You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Oh, Trojan fans, welcome to another edition of the Peristyle Podcast. On a Wednesday, I'm trying to remember what day it is. Yeah, we're going to talk some USC Trojan football about a week and a half or so into USC fall camp. Uh, just two and a half weeks left, I guess, till the start of the college football season and USC kicking off a week zero against San Jose State. We're going to talk uh, about everything that's been going on around the program with Connor Morissette. You can follow him over there on Twitter uh, at C underscore Morissette. There's uh, what are you, the triple double, triple R, <laughs> triple S, triple T. That's right, triple double. Nice. Uh, we are um, so we're on all of our podcasting platforms wherever you listen to the podcast, but we're also simulcasting on our YouTube channel over at Inside Troy. So if you're there, thank you very much for tuning in, and uh, you can put some questions in the uh, little chat box there. We'll try to get to them later on the show. We got a lot of stuff we want to get to. Uh, before I do, just want to let everyone know how to send us a question. Uh, send us an email. Just send us an email and say, "Hey, this is for Ryan and Connor." Podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address, or if you'd rather call or text us, you can do that too, 424-254-9141. Send us a text, leave us a voicemail. We appreciate that. And if you have the Apple podcasting app, please leave us a five-star rating and review. We'd love to uh, hear from you on all things uh, USC football and the uh, Parastel podcast. Anything, Any kind of comments you have, we'd love to hear from you. We do have a new one from JB Class of 8082. Uh, it says Paracel Podcast, Harvey Hyde. So talking about the 4 by 100 sprint teams, I think I brought this up to you, Connor, when I asked you guys when we were off the... So we had a question uh, on the show on Monday. Who would be like the 4 by, uh, 4 by 100 sprint team for the USC football team? So JB, class of 8082, says Zach Ryder Branch, Brendan Rice, Garrison Madden, uh, and Damani Jackson with backups Mario Williams and Taj Washington. What do you think? I don't know about Garrison Madden, but I don't know about. I'm sure Brendan Rice makes sense, but I, I just worry about those bigger receivers. He's a bigger dude, yeah. I I think I think Damani's in there for sure. Yeah, Damani's in there for sure. Zach Branch in there for sure. Raleigh Brown, I think, would be a, another good guy. He's so fast, I could see him excelling. And then for that fourth spot, the running backs. You'd think a running back would make the cut, but those guys are a little beefy. In terms of mus- muscular, yeah, about, like Quentin so. Joyner is a really fast one, right? Like I yeah. think I'd mentioned him. Um, I don't know. Could see him. It's I'm th- trying to think of more defensive backs too. Christian Roland Wallace, I bet, is really fast. Even Dude, that guy bigger. He would be in like a arm wrestling contest. <laughs> if there's a four by one hundred arm wrestling thing, then yes, uh, he gets there. But no, thank you for the uh, review. We appreciate that. Uh, it helps to grow the show. Also, I want to thank uh, our sponsor over the years, Trader Joe's. Uh, been awesome to us, and we're doing we're doing an event with Trader Joe's coming up. So we, you know, I want to let everyone know 
if you are around, uh, and I'm trying to find out exactly how this works, but there's an event called Salute to Troy. They had it going for a while, then it stopped like COVID, and they did one last year, but it was in the spring, but they're back. It's going to be on August 18th uh, over at, uh, you know, Allison Felix uh, Field, the track and field, um, where they would have a big barbecue. You could meet the players and the coaches speak and introduce their position groups, and then they have like the anniversary teams. Uh, so the 73 and, and the 98 teams, the 25 and uh, 50 year reunions. I believe you have to call the Trojan Athletic Fund to get tickets, and they might only be doing it for donors at first. But what we wanted to do is that starts at like 536. We wanted to have a little event over at Trader Joe's at the University Village. So off the USC campus, probably starting like 3, 330. Um, so if you're going to be around for that, you want to come a little early, we'll have a bunch of the USC staff members there. USC practices in the morning. And we'll go over there to Trader Joe's. We're going to have snacks. We're going to have drinks. And we'll just sit and chat and talk about USC football. We did something there a couple of years ago. And we did like a live show, I believe. We're not going to do any kind of show. Uh, but we'll, we just want to kind of talk with everybody. I think Clay Helton actually came over and we interviewed him. And I think some of the staff members came over. We're working on getting some of the players. We don't know their schedule yet because they're going to be going into Salute to Troy. But uh, working with... Uh, the House of Victory people are trying to get some players to come over there. So it's going to be kind of a joint thing with Trader Joe's. The most important thing is everyone loves those Trader Joe's bags. And I, I should probably run in the other room. I think I have one. I could show you guys. I might let Connor speak for a second and uh, and do that. But the Trader Joe's bags, we're going to have a whole bunch of them. We have cases of those things. So if you're going to come out, people ask me, oh, how am I going to get this bag? How can I get this bag? Come to the event, August 18th. It's Friday, August 18th. Should be 3, 3.30, so we're going to start this going, and we'll have uh, Trader Joe's bags there. So our sponsor has been working with us you know, for years now. We appreciate it, and events like this are going to be pretty cool. So I don't know, Connor. Have you been over that Trader Joe's there yet? Or I've definitely walked by it. I don't know if I've been inside, but looking forward to that event. That'll be great. We had such a nice time the last time we were at an event, Ryan, a couple weeks ago down in the South Bay answering some fans' questions, so that should be a great event again. Yeah, well, I'm going to put the camera on you for a second. I'm going to grab that bag real quick. So tell us something about fall camp, and I'll be back in a second there. Sure, sure. So we can talk about fall camp a little bit here, and when Ryan comes back, I'm interested to bounce some ideas off of him. But my number one takeaway so far from fall camp, and we'll get interrupted with a Trader Joe's bag here in a second, is just how much Lincoln Riley has talked up the defense. And the way he's been talking about it, the group better take a massive step forward heading into next season because he is talking them up nonstop. And we can get into that a little bit more here as Ryan comes back into the frame with his Trader Joe's bag. Uh, I, I didn't know it was USC uh, oh, yeah. Trader Joe's bag. That's awesome. Oh, I, I want one of those. Hold on. Yeah. So here, I'll show you guys. I don't know if you can see. So this is the Trader Joe's bag. They cannot sell these because they're not licensed or whatever, but... Um, what they can do is give them away. So we've had <laughs> several events uh, for USC. Like we've had tailgates. We've had other events where the Trader Joe's just gives me like cases of those bags and they go like hotcakes. It's crazy. Everybody loves them. Uh, they want to go check them out and everything. So we will have uh, these cool bags uh, at the event on August 18th. So I want to let everyone know. Thanks to Trader Joe's again uh, for doing that. So That's reason enough to show up the free not only Trader Joe's bag, but with the USC stuff all over it, that's a, that's a collection item. Yeah, right that's there. why. Yeah, it's, like, it's not just like a random Trader Joe's bag. It's like a USC-branded bag. But yeah, they don't sell them. You can't buy them. So whenever I break, like I go to the store 
if I have those, uh, people always ask about them. And it's like they're different giveaways that they that they have. So Robert says, good looking Trader Joe's bag. Yeah, they are pretty cool. Uh, so if you're watching, oops, I think I put the wrong one up there. But um, yeah, so, okay, anyway, how did, did that go up there? Okay, let me, working on, okay, there we go. But the question I tried to, the comment on, if you're listening, sorry, <laughs> the comment I tried to put up on the screen, the wrong one went up there. So, uh, but yeah, Robert says, good looking bag. Um, okay, so we want to talk about some of the kind of news and stuff that's going on. I don't know if it's like big news. USC comes in number six in the coaches poll, which I think is meaningless. I don't know, Connor, you don't know my personality yet. There's some I think you're getting around. There's stuff I don't really like. Coaches poll, I'm not a big fan of, but I mean, the worst probably in college sports are like the preseason watch list. Like, oh, he's on the Maxwell watch list and... It, Marquise Lee was not on the uh, Bolitnikoff Award watch list. And there, there was like 100 dudes on there, and he won. So watch list I don't think really mean much to me. Coaches poll, a little more important than that, but I don't think much more. But the, USC at six kind of makes sense. Bunch of their opponents coming in. You know, a lot of them are in the teens with the Oregons and the Utahs and Notre Dame and everything. Um, so I don't know. Any kind of thoughts on USC coming at number six in the coaches poll? I do think it's interesting that that's where the coaches have them, and it's a, a good group of coaches who, who do vote in that poll. Because I think, remember last year with the whole Jordan Addison thing, there was a lot of animosity towards USC in the transfer portal, specifically from Pittsburgh. It's just interesting to see, okay, I think Lincoln Riley, what he was able to do last year, even though it didn't end the way USC fans wanted, I think that opened a lot of other coaches' eyes, and I think USC at six for a lot of coaches after the way the season ended a year ago to vote that way. I think that says a lot. I think Lincoln Riley really impressed some of his peers a year ago, and that leads to to this number six ranking. And, of course, USC did so well in the transfer portal, so that has a lot to do with it too. But I think overall what Lincoln Riley did in year one at USC opened a lot of his peers' eyes, and here we are. They got him at number six. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I was looking through the chat. Sorry, at the beginning, I didn't get to see some of the uh, chat comments on if you're watching on YouTube. Someone said I had a, a lot of pep in my step for the intro. I don't know why. Like, I literally just, <laughs> and Connor was been here for like half an hour. We just finished the podcast of Champions live show. Started at one and didn't finish until 2.55 or whatever. It was like kind of crazy. So uh, I've been going live for two hours and just go roll right into this. So if I got pep, I think I had a little Diet Dr. Pepper. That probably helped. But if I crash, that's probably that'll be why. So my my apologies for that. Um, but yeah, if you have any, we don't have a lot of email questions this week. So any kind of questions you have, if you're watching on YouTube, put them in the chat, uh, put question in the, and I'll star them and we'll get back to them later. But we got a lot of different topics. I kind of wanted to get to the, the coaches poll certainly was one of them. Did you see that the new USC beer? It's like stone brewery or something. I should have brought up, got a photo of that. I guess I could grab something. But did you see that one, Connor? I did see it. I believe the Action Network's Brett McMurphy tweeted first that USC had an official beer partnership. I retweeted that the other day. So let me pull that up. But yeah, I'll Stone, pull it up here. Oh, here's the. So I, I I retweeted that. I got a few messages. People saying they didn't love Stone the beer, but they'd be willing to try it because it's USC branded. So maybe it's a good partnership for the beer. Never mind USC. Yeah, I don't know. It's not like an NIL thing, right? Or maybe money goes towards it. I didn't really pay too much attention, but I saw it was like, it was making like the social media rounds and stuff, which is kind of funny. I will, uh, I'm going to save this and, uh, and go out and, and put it up on the screen there. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like this is sort of like the wave 
with college football, right? You're going to see stuff like this going forward. It's a pale ale, which I don't know about you, Ryan. I like those, so that's enough to get me to try it for sure. And I don't have a huge issue with issue with Stone like some people who message me do. I, I don't mind a Stone IPA, so um, I'm excited to try it. I like. I mean, I I like beers. I like Stone. <laughs> I, I like Stone IPA. Oh, here we go. I got it up on the screen now. If you're watching, so you can see it. Um, yeah, it says fight on. So if you're not, if you're just listening, it says Stone uh, fight on. Pale ale, and there's like a weird sort of like devil-looking thing. Yeah, I was going to ask you what that was. I don't know what that is. Uh, I mean, it's, the colors, because USC and Arizona State have similar colors, like it almost looks like a sun devil kind of thing. But this said, you know, big fight on, cardinal and gold cans and everything, Trojans on the side. Uh, but yeah, it's a little a little beer there. Um, yeah, that's kind of interesting. I don't know, a little something, uh, a little something going on there. We uh, had a little special guest um, at practice, and you had never got to meet Dan Weber before, no. but it was fun to to get him out there and uh, check it out. I should pull up, dang, I, should, I pull up these photos before. I, I couldn't do anything before because it was so crazy, um, but it was f- cool to see um, Dan out there at practice. He hadn't been to a practice in three years, and sort of like... He got to do instant analysis this week. Sorry, we didn't mean to take your, uh, you know, your <laughs> no spot problem. there or whatever. No but, um, you know, he hadn't seen the team in like three years, and it was funny to see it uh, from his eyes. You know, because he's a very observant person, and just kind of seeing what was going on there, um, it was it was a unique sort of opportunity to like get like Dan looking at practice and. The first thing he noticed was like the the number of support staff people that were out there and everything. So I thought that was kind of funny, um, but it was. And then watching instant analysis with Shotgun was great. We tried to get Keeley to do it with them, but USC's being all weird with that. <laughs> uh, but I thought it was cool just to sort of like get Dad looking at stuff and you know observing Caleb Williams going like he's just run. We just watch routes on air and every throw is perfect. He's just like a machine. So you know him for like being the guy that's running around and making you know, weird stuff happen and win the Heisman, but the other stuff he just does with such precision, but it was, I know you hadn't met Dan before and hopefully you enjoyed the conversation, but it was, it was kind of cool to see him uh, out there for the first time looking at stuff. Yeah. And Dan, a, a guy who did it for so long, so well respected by the Peristyle community, the uscfootball.com community. So it was awesome to meet him in person. I thought his story was excellent that he wrote after practice. Really, really cool to see. And yeah, it was interesting, Ryan. He noticed all the support staff. I think he counted 69, he said in the article. So almost one-to-one with the 85 scholarship players that USC has, which was a cool observation. And I thought it was really interesting, too. When Bear Alexander came out, he commented on, Dan did, about how every security guard who lets the players into the practice field knew Bear by name and how this new guy has this big personality on campus already without even really being there for that long. Everyone knows Bear's name. And then after practice talking to Bear, he had to ask a USC staffer what Zion Branch's name was. So he doesn't even know everyone's (laughs) name so far for being so new, but everyone on campus knows Bear Alexander. And Dan really uh, brought that out, asking Bear about that and observed the security guards asking about him. He also observed that Lincoln Riley really didn't talk too much about Caleb Williams at all, which I thought was interesting. You'd think, 
a coach after a practice would talk a lot about his best player or at least mention him, and he didn't even do that. So I thought that was another good observation from Dan, and he wrote all about that in his story. I I highly recommend checking it out if if you haven't read it yet. Really, really informative and interesting, and it's awesome to get Dan's perspective on things. I really enjoyed meeting him and reading the story. Yeah, it's over there at uscfootball.com if you want to check it out. And if you're watching on YouTube, I have the photo up on the screen. If you're listening on the podcast, I tweeted it out too on – on Tuesday, Tuesday night, if you want to go look at my Twitter at Inside Troy, but it's uh, we got the new guy Connor there with me, uh, Dan Weber. With, you know, always have those buttoned-up blue shirts and uh, and a hat with a Rose Bowl logo on it that he sewed on himself or his wife did. Uh, Keely in the middle, which is great to have you know her around again. Obviously, she's around because she's covering the team. Shotgun Spratling, who lives on the west coast on the east coast and was on the west coast, happened the same time at Dan, uh, RJ Beatty, and of course Chris Trevino down there. So it was uh, cool to have the whole group sort of back together, and it was a lot of fun. So got to it's good to include you in that one too. So we had some some fun times back in the day, Connor. Yeah, it certainly looked like it. I had actually <laughs> left practice, and someone said, "Hey, they want you to go back in. We're taking a big photo." So yeah. I think there were a few photos taken before I even came back. So I took so like a selfie. <laughs> no, I took a selfie of like the group, the reunion group, and then Katie uh, was nice enough to take a picture of our whole group. So thanks to Katie Ryan uh, over there, USC Sports uh, information, but. So we got to we didn't get to see the scrimmage, but they did have a scrimmage uh, over the weekend. And I think, you know, when Lincoln Riley wasn't really talking about Caleb Williams, part of the reason was the scrimmage was won by the defense, and you know, specifically the defensive line. They were getting after it. We got to talk to a lot of the defensive players on Tuesday. We'll hear from the offensive players on Thursday. Today's Wednesday, so tomorrow morning we'll be back out there. But we were early Tuesday morning, six a.m. practice, six fifty a.m. practice. Um, but a lot of talk about the defense, Connor, and a lot of talk about how this. I, and I'm I'm curious what you think about this. I think Lincoln Riley is telling you what he's seeing, and he was saying it goes back and forth. Some days the offense wins, some the defense wins. But I feel he wants to make sure that people understand that this defense is better, and he's he's going to if the defense has a good day. I feel like he wants to prop up the defense and say like, look. I know you guys all think the defense sucks, but they've actually been pretty good, you know? And so I don't know if that's strategic or whatever. Like sometimes in the spring, we could get to see like tackling drills, like right in front of us from where we were. But I feel, I don't know if it's measured. I don't know all of that. I I feel like Lincoln Rye is just going to tell you kind of what he thinks, but it seemed like his honest opinion was this defense has been playing really well. And when we heard from, you know, Josh Henson the other day, the offensive line coach, he wasn't happy. That day was a first full pads day. And he felt the defensive line beat the offensive line and they worked harder. And then the scrimmage comes around and we're hearing something similar. So I I think part of it's just, it's a much better defensive line and and all that. But uh, what what was your take on what we heard about the scrimmage and what all the players and coaches said? Well, first of all, just to what you said about Lincoln Riley, everything he says, he says with a purpose. So I think the fact that he is talking up the defense so much, it's absolutely right what you said. He wants people to know that the unit is going to be better. I also think he's really sick of the narrative that Lincoln Riley only coaches offense. He's only good with, with his strength is, is a good offense. He, he's not really known for being a defensive coach. Obviously, he does have roots on the offensive side of the ball, but I think by talking so much about the defense and especially after how last year ended, he really wants people to understand that he is a head coach and he's not just the quarterback's coach, the offensive coordinator for USC. He is a head coach of the program and 50% of being a head coach, I guess with special teams, that's not true, but you know, a huge part of being a head coach is obviously 
what you do on defense. So the fact that he's talking up that unit so much after last season, I think it just has a lot to do. He he wants people to know that he is more involved with the defense and that the defense is going to be a lot better this season. But yeah, I think the defensive line, Ryan, has really impressed and that has a lot to do with the new additions. And I also think it has a lot to do with the offensive line looking a little bit different with only two guys coming back from last season's group. So I think the defensive line is a lot better. The offensive line is new. And so it makes sense that the defensive line would be really dominating early in camp. And the fact that Lincoln Riley's talking a lot about that, uh, I think is really interesting. And I do expect the defense to take a big step forward this upcoming season. Yeah, I do too. Um, you know, I think nine returning starters on defense and a bunch of them probably won't be starting anymore. So that's, that's usually a good sign. It's just so weird. I was, I was talking to, to, to David Woods on the uh, podcast with champions. We were doing previews we previewed like Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Oregon State, and then we did USC and UCLA. We'll do the other schools next week, or yeah, next week. And just talking about the defense, like to, for for Dan to see like a Jack Sullivan in there, like who's this guy? Like played four years at Purdue or whatever. Big, you know, talks like a coach. He's probably going to be a big contributor, or like a Keon Bars, or a guy like Bear Alexander, or I mean, there, you know, the uh, Jamil Muhammad, like just someone like that coming in, like this guy was at Georgia state and he looks like this good of a player that can start for a PAC 12 team and a team that could potentially make the college football playoff. There's just so many new dudes that look like they're raising the overall level on the defensive side. I mean, talking to Mason Cobb, he's sort of like last year when we talked to Shane Lee, he was like, wow, this guy's really coming in. He's going to be a great leader. And Shane Lee has been banged up a little bit, but Cobb has come in and like, seems like he's a, you know, a higher level player even, and also, you know, proven production leader and tackler for, you know, Oklahoma state last year, all, all big 12 selection and comes in and can be like a leader right away and gets to speak at PAC 12 media day. There's just so much, you know, is to be optimistic about, I guess, if you're going to look at this defense from a different lens and it's hard. I think it's hard for fans even to grasp. And when you're previewing teams, like how do you preview Colorado when there's like 80 new dudes? You know, like it's it's really tough to do. How do you preview this defense when it's going to look completely different than it did last year? And uh, I, I, th- I think that's where some of this optimism comes from. But man, it's just it's just such a different looking overall unit. Uh, you know, it's going to look a little different on offense too. But you got Caleb Williams back, and that's a big one. But on the defensive side, it just seems like there's a lot of potential stars that are going to be making big plays that you didn't that weren't on the team last year and weren't contributing one guy who was on the team last year but didn't play was Zion Branch and Lincoln Riley talked all about how he was the player who impressed him most when USC had an inter-squad scrimmage I believe it was Saturday night Branch had a pick six and I think he either a forced fumble or a fumble recovery one of those two and he's a player Ryan that I look at as having really really a lot of importance heading into this season because I think the safety alongside Kalen Bullock last year really struggled, whether it was Bryson Shaw, Max Williams. I expect those two guys to jostle it out for that starting job early in the year, but I think Zion Branch is coming on really strong, and as USC gets into the tougher part of their schedule later in the year, I I think he will ultimately end up starting if he stays healthy, and the fact that he's coming on is really, really huge for USC as well. So he's a guy who, of course, isn't new. He was there last year, but a season-ending knee injury happened before fall camp even started when he was at USC as a true freshman. He's looked at as a new addition now because he's healthy. Him coming on is huge. I I had that second safety spot as the biggest question mark on the team heading into the 
um, fall camp period. And now the fact that Zion Branch is having such a good scrimmage and he's he's building momentum, as Lincoln Riley said, I think that's huge. And that is going to sure up one of the biggest weak points I thought that the defense had a year ago. No, I agree. And uh, Robert had a comment in the chat. Um, defense has something to prove this season, more so than the offense. They are hungry to prove it on the field. And I think that's true. And it's funny, uh, Dan Weber pointed out one of the interesting things that um, Lincoln Riley said about, or, you know, talk to some of these new defensive players. And I think it was Mason Cobb who was talking about this, where, you know, they struggled on defense last year and Lincoln Riley, so, and, and Mason Cobb wasn't around, but he saw, he, he saw the Utah game and he was checking it out. And Lincoln Riley was like, it's your fault because you weren't, you should have been here. You weren't here. So it was kind of like putting it on there. But even you, you look at the new guys, do they have something to prove? Because they weren't part of this, this, you know, terrible defense that USC had last year. But I think they feel some responsibility, if that makes sense, you know, where they're taking they're they're taking this personally and they want this defense to be better, um, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think even though they're new, the talk around USC is the offense is great, the defense isn't. A lot of people nationally aren't familiar with all the transfer portal additions and the changes on defense that USC is USC has made. So I think people look at them like, okay, Lincoln Riley, he's great with quarterbacks. He's great on offense. The offense will be good, but the defense, it's the same old story with him. Even when he was at Oklahoma and made the college football playoff, those teams would give up a lot of points in those college football playoff games. So I think that has a lot to do with it, Ryan, where these new guys, I don't know how much responsibility they take for last year, even though that was joked about. And maybe some of that is truthful, but those guys weren't there. I don't think that's really fair. But the reputation that the defense has now that these guys are on the team, they can certainly um, take account or excuse me, take account some of that reputation. And uh, I I think that's really frustrating for a lot of these guys because they weren't on the team last year and and they're excited for the season to start because they want to prove that the defense is a lot better than it was a year ago. A lot has changed. Yeah, I think that's a good point where it's, even if they weren't part of it, you don't want to be hearing, like if everyone's talking about, oh, the offense, the offense, the offense, and you're sort of like an afterthought on the defense. And I think there's a sense of pride there. They're taking it in. And one of the other comments Lick and Riley had, and Dan Weber mentioned this one as well, and I'll put the comment up here from Danny. Um, So he was saying, Lick and Riley was saying, he's there's like looking at the depth chart, Guys have to really fight for where they are now. And there's guys that were playing a lot last year that might not be getting the first team reps this time. So there's a sense of urgency. And next week is mock game week. So they're getting ready for the, you know, pretending it's a week, you know, a game week. And you want to have that competition at a really high level. Um, so it was interesting when he was talking about that. I wanted to get your thoughts. But Danny said he thinks he was talking about Corey Foreman when he said the threes could be a one or a one that ones could be threes. Um, I don't know if he was talking about anyone specifically. I think it was on the defensive side of the ball, but it was, I think it was more of any of the guys that were playing and getting first team reps last year. Doesn't mean you're going to get them this year because they brought in better dudes and they could definitely take your spot. And speaking of Corey Foreman, I think it's really interesting. Anthony Lucas, a guy who a lot of people thought was going to be a defensive end, pretty much that was the only spot people thought he was going to play. He's been taking a lot of reps at rush end as has Jamil Muhammad and the coaching staff has talked a lot about how Anthony Lucas is versatile and still might play defensive end. But if he is at rush end when the season rolls around, there's an opening at that defensive end spot. And Corey Foreman is competing. Solomon Tulia-Pupu is competing. Jack Sullivan, he might bounce from that interior defensive line spot to the defensive end spot. If Anthony Lucas is a rush end and he plays the majority of the snaps early in the season at that rush end spot, that has that leaves an opening for the defensive end position 
And if Corey Foreman has been as good as some of the coaching staff has talked about this camp, I think he absolutely, absolutely, excuse me, will have a chance to play. And I don't know if he'll be a one to start the year, but that's a good question. That makes a lot of sense because I think he is a guy who he's competing with a few other people and he could be a one, he could be a three. Certainly an interesting position to watch if Anthony Lucas primarily plays at rush end. Yeah, no, I would agree with you there. Uh, Our buddy Eddie has a really good comment. Let me put this one up there. Sign up for the P, best message board in college football. Yes, if you're not a member over in the Peristyle, uh, uscfootball.com, uh, make sure you go check it out. You can do it for a buck for the first month if you're not a member or 30% off an annual membership. So make sure you go check that out. Uh, it's the best stuff you're going to get anywhere. Man, the ghost notes, if you just read Chris's ghost notes, you'll feel like you're, you've been now out there at practice. And uh, make sure you go check it out. We got the war rooms coming up on Friday. Lots of recruiting info and everything going up there. And, of course, we got a lot of podcasts and everything, too. But thanks, Eddie. We appreciate uh, that. We'll get Chris uh, Trevino on a podcast, I think, later in the week. Uh, they might be doing – I'm curious to see what they're going to do. They're going to do um, a Helium Boys podcast, Chris and, and uh, Shotgun, and then Gerard and Chris will be doing their uh, Composite Two-Star Recruits podcast as well. So um, Sigma – had an interesting comment. I want to get your thoughts on here too. Uh, Braylon Shelby is a guy nobody is really talking about, and everyone will be talking about by season's end. We've heard his name come up. He's been talked about a little bit. He has. He him coming in kind of late, not having that spring camp yeah. like some of the early and early freshmen have. I think hurt him a little bit. And Roy Manning talked about him not having the spring, sort of set him back. But I mean, just looking at Braylon Shelby, he is chiseled. He is big. He looks like a really, really good defensive lineman. Just he has that look about him. And as a true freshman, that's really impressive. I think Lincoln Riley said, we all wish we looked like Braylon Shelby, which I got a (laughs) kick out of that. The interesting part of that position group is, Ryan, I don't know if you agree with me, but I think that rush end spot is the deepest on the team defensively. I mean, if Anthony Lucas is playing there, you have him, Jamil Muhammad, Solomon Bird, Romello Height, who's a little banged up right now. But when he comes back, those are all guys who have been in college for at least two years, and some of those guys a lot more. So a lot of veterans. And then Sam Green, who was an early enrollee, I still have him in front of Braylon Shelby right now because he made such an impression in the spring. So I agree that the hype around Braylon Shelby, it's real, and I think he is going to be a good player in the future. He just has a logjam ahead of him at that rush end spot. I don't expect him to play a ton of meaningful snaps early in his career. If injuries happen and maybe as the weeks goes go on, he gets more comfortable with the defense and, and he is able to make more of an impression i could see him slotting in later in the year but early on he, he has a little bit of a ways to go before he sees meaningful snaps in my opinion it's really deep and i you know Romello height and lincoln riley talked about him like you know they expected him to start last year and then he's out you know and um he's been banged up a little bit but that guy can he can play they expect him to be a big contributor i forgot solomon bird's name came up a couple times uh tuesday morning people had brought him up too like there's there's dudes uh, at that spot, and they should be able to get after the quarterback there. Um, I don't know. You might see more than one of them on the field at a time. We'll have to kind of wait and see depending on the down and distance and all that. But, yeah, I think you're right. It's a, it's a really deep group there. And, you know, did you expect, like, Jamil Muhammad to come in and, like, get all these first-team reps, like, in the spring? Like, no. Like, oh, the Georgia State guy? Like, okay, he's like a depth guy. Nope. He's going <laughs> to probably start. Um, and there are a bunch of other guys that can start too. So uh, pretty impressive. There's a question from Logan or a comment from Logan. I thought Lucas uh, was the next letter Williams. Uh, now I think like he's like the next Willie McGinnis. And, uh, you know, they 
I thought I, I'm sorry. I probably put the wrong one up there. The there also was a comment about his weight uh, being down because Jack Sullivan said that he was talking about Anthony Lucas and uh, he came in at 290 and is like playing at 250 now. So uh, I think as we said 250, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting too. He's definitely lost some weight since he got to USC, at least according to Jack Sullivan. He has lost some weight. I don't know if he did come in at 290 because in the spring, Chris did a really good job of asking him, how much did you weigh when you came in here? And it was 275, I think he said. And Anthony Lucas talked about how that was the heaviest he'd ever been. So I know he was listed at either 290 or 295, and he might still be listed at that weight on the USC roster, but he's way down from there. I don't know if he ever was at that weight. And I think he has lost about 20 pounds. He seemed to indicate in the spring that he he was not that that big uh, prior to his arrival. But it it looks like he, he... I mean, we don't see a ton of practice, but it it looks like he's with that Russian group, even though he is going to bounce around. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he's your starting Russian in the first game against San Jose. Yeah, it could be. Um, yeah, Eddie pointed out that uh, 18K spoke to Lucas, and that's what he said yeah. too. So, um, but that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know where Sullivan got that, but who knows? I mean, it's maybe just looking at the roster. You know, I don't blame him. It says it right there on the roster. Yeah, so that's probably why. It's like, oh, he came in. Um, uh, we've had this come up. Hold on, let me put this up here. From uh, God, isn't that, the right ones aren't popping up for me for some reason. Let me. Um, sorry, I'm having a little issue with the uh, putting up the comments. Like they're putting up the wrong ones for some reason. But Brad says no highlights of false scrimmage. Um, no, we weren't allowed to watch. Not even. And if we were allowed to watch, which we weren't, we'd definitely not be allowed to film. So sorry. If USC wanted to put out highlights, they could have. Um, but, uh, they did not, and, uh, we were not able to watch it. So it was basically just talking to players and coaches about like what happened, uh, during that scrimmage. So, um, and, uh, yeah, usually the social media department will put out at least like one cool highlight play that doesn't give a ton of information about you know, formations and and who's on the field and stuff. But we didn't even see a highlight reel play. It's tough to, you don't want to have like a turnover or something, you know, you don't want to have the defense making a play because it might look, make the offense look bad, but someone just running into the end zone on offense, you'd you'd maybe get something like that. Or a Zion branch, if he had the pick six, you'd get the tail end of that. But yeah, nothing pretty radio silent over there for that first scrimmage. Yeah. Um, And to be fair too, like, you know, we mentioned Keely, your, uh, there, she's kind of a one-person band out there, one-woman band right now, because her interns and stuff, the people that work for her that help her film, they're not on sc- they're not in school yet. So th- I think they're starting to arrive now. So maybe you'll get more of that coverage. They, remember, they've started early because of the Week Zero game, and so there's le- less less people from USC as far as like the social media stuff. Like a lot of those people are students that were interning and everything and they just weren't on campus yet so i think they're starting to get on campus now so you might see a little bit more of that they're gonna have another scrimmage uh this weekend i believe saturday they say uh, do you remember what he said i think he said one more saturday like another i, I forget time. when but a- another one and then he said mock game week which upset dan weber he didn't like how oh my god yeah so that was game. this was before your time that was a a clay heltonism um mock game week so Yes. Uh, he didn't like hearing that. He's okay. He's giving Lincoln Riley a pass. <laughs> he kind of said there was a separation. It was like mock game and then said the word week later. But he really said mock game week, which does well the thing around here. And I think there's a negative connotation to it just because of uh, the Clay Helton stuff. But as long as he doesn't say stuff like situational mastery, I think it would be okay. 
Um, J-Law keeps putting this in there. No prisoners. He put no prisoners, no prisoners, no prisoners, third and fourth quarter. Yeah, I think uh, if USC is going to be good, if USC is going to make a run at the college football playoff, and they were really close last year, you got to finish the game strong. And down the stretch, they did not finish the games strong. You got to finish the third and fourth quarter, play well, get stops, score points, all of that. So I, I, you know, he's putting that in chat or he or she is putting that in chat a lot, but you're right. You got to win. You got to win that uh, end of the game. And that's just something USC hasn't done with the improved depth on defense. Seems like it should be a little bit easier to do that. We'll see, but uh, yeah, that's, I think that's an important aspect for this season. Yeah. That's the name of the game. The depth, Ryan, Dante Williams has said if four or five cornerbacks practice, well, that's who will play on the defensive line. If you just break it down, there's going to be so much rotation with those guys, because even though I know Stanley Taufu and, and Tyrone Teleni weren't really up to the standard that USC fans wanted a year ago, but those guys aren't going to be asked to do as much. And now yeah. filling in in the depth role, I, I think they're going to do that perfectly. Those guys have been in college a long time. They're all up in their, their 20s. You know, they're, they're college football players. They're not guys right out of high school. They, they, they've been doing this for a while. Asking them to be a depth piece, I think, is important. We've talked about the rush end, the defensive end. Even at the linebacker spot, Tackett Curtis is coming on so strong in fall camp. He's going to be a depth piece for that linebacking core. They have so many more guys who are capable of playing at the level that USC wants. And Lincoln Riley's talked about that as well. There's so many more position battles, and that is going to be huge, especially early in the year when hopefully USC, as far as their fans are concerned, are beating up on some of these teams that aren't as good. You can get those depth pieces some more run and really see what you have in the second halves of games. You mentioned Taka Curtis. I put a picture of him up on the screen. Number 25 there, if you're watching on YouTube. His name came up a bunch this week, right? When people were asking. I I was asking. Chris said, hey, Connor, here's a story idea. And I said, that's a great idea. Ask everyone who you can, who's been the breakout player of camp so far. And I got started on that yesterday so Tuesday after practice and I asked three defensive guys hey who's been the breakout player and without skipping a beat they all said Tackett Curtis and I think Ryan the when Jamil Muhammad said it he was like the third guy I asked and you were right next to me and I started laughing just because I was so surprised that without even thinking three guys boom Tackett Curtis Tackett Curtis Tackett Curtis and the fact that he is playing so well and his teammates are seeing it I used to think okay he's probably going to be a backup linebacker and and I still do feel that way but don't be surprised if he really is pushing to be a starter especially later in the year if he continues to practice at this pace he's an older freshman so he's not really one of those 17 18 year old guys he's got a little bit old uh, a little bit of more age compared to some of those other guys so his body that's why he looks so big he, he he, does, he's a little yeah. bit older so I I think people will see freshmen and be a little concerned about that that he is so new he was an early enrollee he's a little older he has all the makings of a good linebacker for USC, a guy who could play a lot. All right. Um, any other notes from – we got some questions that have come in. We'll we'll get to those in a minute. But any other kind of notes from fall camp? Uh, I wouldn't say it's like the, sort of the grind. Like we're, we're only going out there a couple times a week, but the players are practicing more. They're not all open. And just so if you don't know, we can watch the first, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes or so usually of practice. They're stretching. They'll do some – position drills you know quarterbacks will throw balls to wide receivers and um, we can do video and film and uh, photos from that we get to see some offensive linemen up close and some of the defensive linemen uh, in some drills at least for a few minutes which is kind of nice so it's a little bit different but we don't get to watch everything and that's why you know no highlights from the scrimmage Uh, we get to do some stuff and we've we put up video and photos over at uscfootball.com 
from the windows we get to watch. And then after practice, usually it's offensive players, defensive players, or uh, just Lincoln, uh, Lincoln Riley. So um, any sort of notes like, you know, Tuesday's practice was a defensive day. Uh, we also heard from Lincoln Riley. Uh, tomorrow's practice, Wednesday, uh, Thursday's practice will be an offensive day. Um, some of the assistant coaches and stuff. But any other kind of thoughts from what we've seen in practice lately, Connor? Just seeing who's been repping with the ones and the guys who haven't always been repping with the ones during fall camp. So earlier in camp, Austin Jones was the first team running back. The other day, Marshawn Lloyd was the first team running back, and Jones was the second team running back. Again, you can't read a ton into that because a lot happens when we're not there, but that's the lineup that we saw, and I think that's noteworthy. Looking at the offensive line, Gino Quinones was playing first-team left guard. Emmanuel Pregnon has taken his spot, and Quinones has slipped now to the second-team center spot, which is really important. USC, they're really working hard to figure out who that backup center is going to be, whether it's Quinones, whether it's going to be Killian O'Connor, a walk-on who played at Santa Margarita, who Lincoln Riley has talked a good amount about for a walk-on and saying that he really could have a role, might not be this year, could be in the future. So I'm looking at that offensive line depth and who's lined up where. I think that's interesting. Jonah Monheim, he was at right tackle in the spring. He's playing left tackle now. Michael Tarquin has been playing right tackle. It seems like he's really being challenged by Mason Murphy. So that's a position battle we might not have known about a little bit earlier on during fall camp. Those two are challenging each other. Zach Branch played at Receiver, obviously, he was with the first team group during the last practice, so little things here and there that we're seeing. Of course, once game time comes, that's when we can really take away who's the first group, who's the second group, who's the third group. But for now, it's cool to observe a lot of that, at least in warm-ups, and see who's repping where. I think we can take away a little bit from that, and those are some of the big observations I've had. Yeah, like the fact that you have like three transfers potentially starting on the offensive line is interesting, you know, and Pregnant is just, I'll put the picture up of him. He's a big dude, man. <laughs> E-Man, they call him E-Man, right? Is that the, or Iman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. E-Man, I think. And it, and it makes sense, like I said earlier, why the defensive line would be looking better than the offensive line, because the offensive line, it's it's a new look group. I think the ceiling for this offensive line, though, is is very high with, with Dietrich, uh, a six-year guy who, who's going to play center now. Jonah Monheim, your best offensive lineman at left tackle, is, is an impressive guy. He'll maybe even be a first-round pick coming up after this season. Definitely an NFL draft guy. Pregnon is another really, really high-profile, next-level prospect who is still taking some time to gel. We see him working with Josh Henson after practice a little bit, the line coach. But he's he came in to play. He came in to, to fill that guard spot uh, on the left side. So he's going to be playing there a lot, I think. And it, it's just cool to see Gino Quinones is, is challenging him, and Mason Murphy is challenging Michael Tarquin. But I, I think the ceiling of this offensive line is, is really, really high. It's just going to take a little bit of time for them to gel. All right. I want to put one more picture up. That uh, So Shotgun put a bunch of cool photos up. We got Gavin Morris and Cliff Kingsbury <laughs> chatting, walking out the tunnel. Uh, I thought that was a very popular uh, photo there. But, you know, I think I talked to Gavin about, you know, he had some sort of relationship. He knew Kingsbury. I think they had met when he uh, got hired by USC before, before he took the Arizona Cardinals job and then uh, ended up going out there. But I thought that was a funny photo. Don't you know we don't hear from Cliff Kingsbury? He's not going to do interview like support people. You know, support staff doesn't do interviews from Lincoln Riley, but it's it's just kind of cool to see him out there. It's like this movie star guy out there at practice. It is really cool, and him working with Caleb Williams with Lincoln Riley's track record and Cliff Kingsbury's track record, and Caleb Williams winning the Heisman last year. You just start to think, okay, they could be getting into some concepts that 
might change football. I mean, that, that might sound crazy, but you know what I mean? That that brain trust, that kind of brain power in the quarterback room and that kind of ability with Caleb Williams, you pair that with Cliff Kingsbury's really good looks. <laughs> and uh, I know when he when he walks out, you're just kind of, oh, who's that? You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he, he does have that movie star persona a little bit. And I don't know if you saw, Ryan, I tweeted out a picture of him during that first practice. And oh, yeah. the Barstool sports guy, PFT commenter, quote tweeted it and he said he looked like Kendall Roller from Succession. So I, th- I thought that was funny too. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, why don't we, we got some questions in the chat and everything. Why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and uh, talk a little more USC football, answer some questions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, it wasn't much of a break. This is our break for uh, the podcast listeners. This is, uh, I know it says Tunnel Vision. If you're watching on YouTube, this is really the Peristyle Podcast, but we're you know doing a simulcast and showing the video of it and trying to give you some... Uh, video aspects to uh, to watch over on our YouTube channel, but we will have our regular Tunnel Vision show, which is uh, mainly a video, and then we'll you know put it out as a podcast as well. But that show we're going to do again. Thir- looks like Thursday nights and Sunday nights. We'll have a we've got a bunch of uh, USCFootball.com staffers now to kind of cycle through. So we'll, we're figuring out the schedule of how we're going to do all that. But we will have preview shows during the season on Thursday night, and then. Uh, recaps on Sunday night. So hopefully you guys can join us live. Those shows have always been really popular. And uh, Connor, I know you're excited to to jump in there and be a part of it. Um, yeah, we haven't really done, we haven't done like a tunnel vision show with you. We've done the podcast, right? Like, I think we did one because someone, oh, yes. someone said, you didn't do the Hello Trojan fit. <laughs> True, yes, we did do one. Yeah, okay. So we did one and then I did one, like a one-on-one with uh, Cody Romnes, former USC um wide receiver so all right let's uh let's go through some of these questions first up we got alex who says uh, is dorian looking like a true number one based on what we've seen the only thing i can comment on is that he's consistently with that top group so yeah. he has the opportunity to be a one when we 
When I think I, when I made my podcast debut, Ryan, I talked about if I had to pick a receiver who I thought was going to take over that number one spot, I feel really good about Dorian Singer. He, yeah. He's just a professional dude. He he has NFL aspirations, and he already acts like an NFL wide receiver. So I think he certainly has the makings to do that. We don't see a ton of practice. I sound like a broken record saying that, but <laughs> he does have the opportunity to be that number one guy because he's repping with the ones consistently. I think he's going to have a huge season. Yeah, I agree. All right, uh, let's go to touchdown USC. And their question is, do Russians battle with the right tackle or left tackle? And I think we talked about this on the last show, but it's more about the strength side of the the lot for the offense so if you have a tight end on one side it could be on the left tackle or the right tackle um the tight end side uh the weak side linebacker would usually be opposite of that so they have two kind of inside linebackers the the middle the mic and the the will to the weak side and the rush end is usually where the tight end is um so it's not about left or right it's more about the strength of the formation if that's your understanding connor yeah, that's how Shotgun explained it to me. Shout out to him. He is the X's and O's guru, I'd say, of uh, <laughs> USCfootball.com, learning a lot from him. Um, but yeah, and I think that really gives you a, a, a good matchup if you got a, one of your best pass rushers, rushers, excuse me, on a tight end, that, that could really open up a lot of doors. Yeah, so, and, you know, obviously some of that stuff changes, but that's where typically where you're lining those guys up. It's more about strength uh, of the formation than anything else. Alex is... Uh, um, Caleb Williams, completely healthy. Seems like it, right? Yeah, I think so. Nothing that we've seen has led me to think otherwise. I'm sure they wouldn't tell us anything if he wasn't. But, yeah. he, he, I mean, yesterday, Ryan, at practice afterwards, it was the defensive day like you mentioned. So he wasn't part of the media scrums. But he stayed after and he was trying to do that thing where the you know, you throw the ball and you hit the, the field goal post or yeah, the crossbar, I guess. Those quarterbacks and, love doing And he that. was running all around. So he, he looked healthy as can be to me. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, we got Logan. Why are we hearing about Deuce? Um, I'll put a picture of him up there. Deuce Robinson. Uh, he stands out when you're just, if you're just watching, especially we have a little higher vantage point from uh, Dado Field. If you're just watching, like, because he's so tall, he just stands out. But any thoughts on uh, what you've seen from Deuce Robinson? He's been a little banged up. We saw him have a huge bandage on the tip of his middle finger coming out the other day. So I think he's dealing with a, a middle finger injury. But he, he was back at practice and, and warming up with the group, catching passes from the quarterbacks. He's another guy, a really – not really late enrollee, a late commit, but he, he enrolled – um, not during that spring session. So he has some catching up to do. He was repping with the third team offense. A lot of the freshmen were repping with that third team offense. Malachi Nelson was the quarterback. He's a guy I think we'll see him in some of these early games late on. I don't expect him to play many meaningful snaps early in his career, but once he gets up to speed, we all know the athleticism and the history of him being a five-star recruit. The ceiling is really high with him. He just needs to get up to speed, get healthy. And once that happens, I could see USC running some sets specifically designed for him because he's such a special weapon. I think that'll happen later in the year though. He is a special weapon. So, um, and you know, you love all the freshmen. It's like they have really good wide receivers. And then you bring in three freshmen that, you know, like Jacoby, I mean, like yeah. Lane, like Jacoby Lane's been the the star of the the show for the freshman receiver so far. Yeah. He, he's the guy who's been brought up the most, and we've talked about this on the show before. He was the lowest rated recruit out of that group. Yeah. So that doesn't really mean much in the grand scheme of things, but 
you'd think those high-level, high prospects would be the guys talked about more, but it, so far it's been Jacoby Lane. I think Zach Branch, everyone talks about him because he's really true. good. He gets one-handed catches and stuff all the time. And he was repping with the ones, which is important, too. Yeah. Uh, Sager, uh, more of a comment, he says, but it would be fun to have Colin Coward on here before the first game of the season. Love his insight and love for USC football. Um, yeah, we, he's in our intro, I think, if I remember correctly. And, uh, yeah, we've had him on a number of times. It'd be great to have him on again. I think he's someone that, yeah, I chat with him about USC football fairly often. So, but he lo- he loves coming on. It just depends on his schedule and stuff. But I, that's a good idea. I'll try to get him to come on and uh, you know see what he has to say. But you know, it's uh, he's good. I mean, he knows. It's funny. I remember Connor. So I don't know why he just has always been like a USC fan, and that's how we sort of we just met. Like it was more like he followed me on Twitter when he was at ESPN. And when he was moving out here, I think we he came out once and we had like beers or something and he liked the South Bay. So he ends up moving the South Bay and we would like hang out or whatever when he got here. And sometimes we'd go to practice. I'd go pick him up and uh, we'd come to practice and he would meet like, you know, he would talk to the guys and there'd be like the backup fullback or something. And uh, he would like, they would introduce himself to, and Colin would be like, oh no, I know you, you did this, you did this. And they were like baffled <laughs> that he knew about them. And some of the USC fans, like, you know, if you have like a, a talking head like that, I mean, that's basically what he does right on TV. A lot of times half the people hate him and half the people like him. And they didn't realize like, he's like a USC super fan. Like he really loves the team and knows all the dudes and follows recruiting you know, has called me like on Christmas Eve to talk about some defensive lineman that they might get. Like he's a diehard USC football fan. I think a lot of the USC fans on our board that just like hate him because of some opinion he had about their team <laughs> don't like it. I'm like, I don't know what you say, but he's one of you. He's like literally, you know, he does his job covering national sports and NFL and NBA and all that stuff, but he's a huge USC fan, which is kind of funny. I'd love to be on the show when we get him. So if uh, I know it's tough, I'm the low man on the totem pole right now. No, but he's sitting right it. here. I'm hopefully sitting right here. We could do it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, that was, okay. So that, I'm sorry. That was the same one. Um, let me pull this one up. Uh, where's Fegan's playing and has he participated in fall camp? He has participated in warmups. He is dealing with a Nick, as Lincoln Riley called it, and hasn't put his pads on based on what I've seen. He's been working off to the side a little bit based on the media viewing portion. He's listed as a corner. I He's also listed as a freshman, so I I didn't know. Was last year, Ryan, a year where you could take a COVID waiver? I don't think so. I don't. Yeah, that's weird. It's though. interesting. I was just looking at the roster. It's interesting because he was at Alabama last year. He did redshirt, didn't play a snap. I thought he would be listed as a redshirt freshman. He's listed as just a freshman. Huh. But ha- we haven't really seen much from him. He's listed as a cornerback. I imagine when he does get healthy and start to play, we'll see him at corner. But the staff loves versatility, so maybe he could play some safety. Maybe he could play a little bit of nickel. We'll see. But I think to start, he'll be a corner. All right. Let's go to Touchdown USC. Will Arizona State and West Virginia be a caged pay-per-view match? And will ASU president Michael Crow eat crow? And if if you don't know what this is referring to, <laughs> didn't he apologize today? Did I didn't see yeah, it? Yeah, he, he, he apologized. He did. Oh, so he he made the comment that they would they would never go to Morgantown to play a game. <laughs> so insinuating that they're going to stay in the Pac-12 and not join the Big Ten or Big Twelve. And of course they have. So I guess no cage match. But and then he kind of added gasoline to the fire, I think, by saying, "Well, I'm never like when they did join." He said, "I'm never going to travel there. I'll send my deputy AD." But 
I think today I saw he reached out to the West Virginia athletic director, apologized, and I, I think it's good. But, yeah. man, ASU hasn't exactly covered itself in glory these past few weeks. No, Michael Crow's an idiot. Like he's, <laughs> I mean, he's really – like a lot of the presidents screwed up, and, and Connor was listening when we were talking about the, the demise of the Pac-12 in the other yeah. room, and the presidents being a huge part of that. But um, Michael Crow up there with – I mean, he's really the guy that enabled Larry Scott. Like he was the the big champion of Larry Scott. And he's one of those dudes that has a big ego. I think he hates that the Arizona president, uh, Robin Roberts, uh, Robert Robbins, or whatever it is, like, um, was getting, you know, was basically driving the bus. And he was sort of like a sidecar guy. He was just along for the ride and would back the wrong horse forever, you know? And one of those dudes that you, he was a Larry Scott supporter. And so he would support him to the death, even when, he was screwing up, and he hurt the conference. I mean, he's as big of a reason for the conference failing than as anybody. And ASU sort of failed up, and they get to go to the the big uh, Big Twelve now. So, yeah, that's how I see it too. And even it sounded like until the bitter end, he didn't want to leave the Pac-12, didn't want to leave a oh, no. ship. But it sounded like the Arizona schools wanted to stay together, and eventually someone talked him into, okay, hey, you, you got to join the Big 12. You might not have another option. Yeah, I think he was the one that said that they were going to always stay together. I don't know if I believe that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think Arizona was going to go, and yeah. if ASU was going to stay, that was my scenario that I tweeted out. Like, I think mm -hmm. Arizona leaves and everyone else stays, but the Pac-12 screwed up the deal so much that it just it wasn't going to be able to, to happen that way. Adrian, uh, Ryan, will there be a peristyle tailgate for the opening game against San Jose State? We're not going to have like our own tailgate. It was just, it was a lot of work. It's hard for us to do a tailgate. Um, but we, we have been working with House of Victory. So we might be able to do something with them. They're having their own. So you can go check that out. Um, we'll see. We might try to do something else, but uh, I'll let you know. But it was just, it's tough to like host a tailgate. And then, you know, we have to leave really early to get in there and, and go to the stadium. But, you know, we might. We might stop by like that House of Victory one or something, or you know, we'll do something, but probably won't be our, like our own kind of tailgate thing. Oscar says, "Let's see, his is uh, now that Oregon and Washington are joining the Big Ten, will the schedules change for 2024-2025? And yes, yes, they will. Yeah, I think I had the old ones. I had some graphics up, but I got I deleted them. Yeah, that that you basically rip all that up. The Flex Protect Plus." whatever the heck that was, which I, I kind of liked it. Like I, I sort of liked there was some schools have multiple protected rivals and some, and one school didn't have any. Most schools had one. My guess is if you keep that same sort of format, USC would have UCLA as their protected rival, but also Oregon and Washington. So you have the, the four West coast schools play each other every year, at least for the foreseeable future. It's probably going to be changing soon anyway, but you'll probably play those because you know, you don't want to have to have travel as much. It essentially gives USC one less cross uh, time zone, you know, multiple time zone trip uh, off of the schedule. So instead of going back for like Michigan State, Minnesota, Indiana, and Rutgers, maybe you eliminate Rutgers and you're going to Oregon instead or Washington instead. So it, it, it will help with one less trip every year and USC has that extra one every other year because of Notre Dame anyway. So I think that's probably what they're going to do. I don't know what you think, Connor, but that's, that's my guess of what happens. Yeah. I'm not sure. I think they'll definitely keep UCLA obviously as their protected rival. I'm interested to see if they'll keep, or if they'll have Oregon and Washington be us, be a USC protected rival as well, because then that would kind of limit who you could play 
every season in terms of other Big Ten teams. I wonder if they'll just have Oregon and Washington be a protected rival, USC, UCLA be a protected rival, and then try to cycle out the rest of the teams like they were already doing. But that's a scheduling headache that I'm glad I do not have to solve. Yeah, there's – and I think the the big problem is all the Olympic sports because now that's like – What a mess that it, is. It was taking a long time to figure out just adding USC and UCLA – now it's like going to be insane. And maybe this, because there's so much insanity with four more schools going to the big 12 with two more schools going to the, the big 10, maybe the, the smart thing to do is just keep the Olympic sports in a regional thing. There are already some sports that have their own sort of conference, like water polo, like uh, beach volleyball. Um, why can't USC baseball just play West coast teams instead of playing all the big 10 schools? Like let football do it. But do you need the Olympic sports to do it? That's the smart thing. It seems like the smart thing to do, so it probably won't happen. I don't know. What do you think? It's just so tough because you, if football did break away, that opens up so many more cans of worms. And that's the reason it hasn't happened yet because people lack the foresight to, to solve those problems. But I, I wonder what's it going to take for those non-revenue sports to play regionally because I'm not sure – what that is going to be. You know what I mean, Ryan? I just feel like if football's making all this money and that's what drives the bus, then you just got to do what you got to do and deal with the travel. I, I don't really know if a softball player or a baseball player complaining or, or maybe they go on strike. And, you know, With all due respect to them, if they went on strike, what? it's not like they bring in that much money. So right. Who who would what would change? You know what I mean. I I don't really know what the solution is. As long as people are so happy with what's going on with football, and I mean not happy, but you know financially happy with what's going on with football, I don't really know what can change because those school uh, those other sports don't really have a leg to stand on. Yeah. All right, we got a couple more, and we'll uh, let you guys go. Jose, does Rajon Davis have a chance to play significant uh, a play significant role this year? And if he doesn't, do you believe he transfers or redshirts? I think if he is not playing consistently, he will redshirt uh, based on what I've heard. Okay. He faces an uphill battle for playing time, certainly, but the coaching staff has talked him up a lot, and there is a world where he does play a role. But I, I just look right now, based on what Tackett Curtis is doing and, and Shane Lee, how, how much he played a year ago, I, I just see four guys pretty firmly in front of him right now. Maybe he can jump Lee, but I, I don't see him jumping Mason Cobb, Eric Gentry, or Tackett Curtis. So... That's how I see it. Could that change? Absolutely. But I think he faces an uphill battle, and I, I think if he isn't playing a ton earlier in the season, don't rule out a redshirt. All right. Uh, let's go to Ducky Bent. It was good seeing Dan Weber. Any chance he could come back as a special guest on an upcoming podcast? And I think that's something we could do. Um, you know, Dan moved back to Cincinnati, where his family's from. You know, there's some health stuff with his family going on and just sort of wanted to like step away. There was a lot going on here 2020 with the COVID stuff. And it was just really hard to cover the team. And it was just kind of the right time for him to sort of uh, move back. And he's done some columns for us, but I think he's uh, in, you know, he's a lot, he's a, he's a guy that writes with a lot of passion and just, I think some of that was lost a little bit, just the way USC just was treating it. Just, they weren't acting like USC. And now that they're you know good again, I feel like, He's getting some good insight and just feels like he wants to uh, do a little bit more. So we welcome it. He'll be definitely doing more regular columns for us, and uh, we can have him on shows and stuff too. So uh, that should be fun. And one last one. 
Uh, Steven, pull this up here. Thoughts about how desperate Cal and Stanford are to be to join Duke, North Carolina, and others in the ACC. I still think it would be poetic justice to see them end up in the lowly Mountain West. There, uh, I mean, I, I listened to the sports business podcast earlier today. Uh, I forget that uh, the, the one guy's from the New York Post, yeah, uh, Andrew Marshan and John Oran. Yeah, Marshan and or- and Orand, and um, and the other guy's Sports Business Journal. And he talked about sort of like the Hoobers, like the 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 egos of the Pac-12 presidents, and really going into the negotiations. ESPN, Amazon, and Fox had come together before the Big 12 had their TV deal, and had a deal for the Pac-12, and they could have made more money than what the Big 12 is making right now. And their mind, they were just so full of themselves and so pompous about it. And had so much ego, and they thought that they were like should get paid like the SEC or the Big Ten, and it's crazy to think that. And it, they, and that's why those guys reported. If you remember, like seven eight months ago, they were reporting that the Pac twelve and the the networks are like hundreds of millions of dollars off, like literally hundreds of millions of dollars, because the Pac twelve had this you know grandiose idea that they were this amazing entity and they did not read the room and they didn't they couldn't self-evaluate enough and so this is why a lot of it was on the presidents and cal and stanford along the way didn't want to expand and some of the other you know presidents were like we don't want to associate with those schools we don't want to do this we don't want to do that like they're that's just sort of like what their mindset was and now you're like out in the cold so i think i have to change the mindset a little bit but yeah that i mean i guess it would be poetic justice if they up at the Mountain West, but I don't know. Any thoughts on that, Connor? Just to your point, it was an epic market misread by the presidents and what they thought. I don't know how much arrogance it was. It certainly was, but I think it was mostly ignorance. And they thought they, oh. they see the Big Ten deal, a billion dollars per year. They see the SEC deal, which is a little bit less than that, but they could read the room. The money's coming. They're making hundreds of million dollars a year, a massive deal with the SEC, too. They saw those two deals and said, okay, those are two major conferences. They're getting all this money. We're going to get all that money too because we're also a major conference. So they just thought these conferences are making all this dose. We're going to too. And they didn't realize how little value they have to some of these TV partners, especially when the TV partners, we see a lot of them are cutting costs and ESPN had those massive layoffs. So it was a couple of factors for sure. But but I, I think that the epic market mystery that they had where, where they're seeing these other conference sign big deals, they thought that would lead to a big deal for them. And they were sadly, sadly mistaken. Yeah. So they could have had that deal. And if they take that deal, there's really not much left for the big 12. And you're probably not only surviving, but you're probably thriving because the big 12 would have the crappy TV deal and maybe they lose some, um, you know, some programs, but the big 12 saw the PAC 12 ask for the moon and then Fox and ESPN and Amazon got out and Fox and ESPN are like, Nope. And then the big 12 like, Hey, we'll take that deal. And then they did. And they got the inventory they needed. And you got these huge deals coming for the NFL and, and the NBA. And there just wasn't that much money left. And like you mentioned the, the um, layoffs and everything, it just, it wasn't the right time to make some kind of like power move like that or try to make some power move. It just really screwed them and allowed your competitor to jump in and take the deal you had and now take your schools and kill you. Yeah, and as for Cal and Stanford joining the ACC, I mean, these West Coast schools joining the Big Ten 
that travel is a nightmare. But I mean, just look at the ACC schools. It's the Atlantic Coast Conference and you're on the, the Pacific Coast. It doesn't make any sense. Florida State, North Carolina, North Carolina State, Boston College, Syracuse, which isn't even on the coast, but that's way far east. Clemson, Virginia Tech. What a what a nightmare travel logistical situation that's going to be for these schools. I know they'll make some money out of it. They'll be in that late window with the schools coming to them. And the Stanford coach today said, you know, it's just a five, six hour flight. A long time ago, people traveled in wagons to get across the country. And those trips probably changed their lives for forever. We're not doing anything like that. I just don't know how, how, how that makes any sense, especially for a school like Stanford. That's kind of, you know, prides itself on, on doing the right thing and, and, and being, you know, kind of above everyone else. I, I don't know if joining the ACC makes a bunch of sense for them, but that gives them the most money. I guess that's really all that matters right now. So maybe it does. I, I don't know, though. That 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 would kind of upset me. I think that would be the straw that broke the camel's back. Those two schools joining the ACC, that makes no sense. Yeah, like, I mean, a lot of stuff doesn't make any sense. I mean, the, the, mid, the Midwestern, you know, Big Ten, like you got central time zone things and there's some Eastern – the ACC is all Eastern, like every one of them. That's a three time zone, you know, that's that's a lot, three hour difference every single game. Um, for that, I think you have to, you just have to keep the Olympic sports on the West Coast and just say, all right, we're going to play football with the ACC. I mean, like Notre Dame kind of does that, yeah, right? exactly. Do that, you know, and then we're going to play football with you guys, beat our brains in every once in a while, whatever, and then we're going to still play other stuff on the West Coast, so... I don't know. All right. Uh, I think that's going to wrap things up here uh, since I'm on like hour four of live podcasting and everything. But uh, Connor, good to see you coming in. This was sort of like our first just like you, me podcast, right? Like we had we had RJ come in last week. Did he, did he come with us? Yeah, I think he did, right? Yeah, and we've yeah. had Shotgun, RJ, Chris, but uh, great to be with you. And I love answering people's questions. We we did that in person, like I talked about earlier, down in the, the South Bay uh, a little while ago at a USC event. That was great. I, I love stuff like this. So any anytime you want to have me, I'm here. Yeah, it's great. And uh, we there's a lot of good comments people are enjoying. Um, yeah, so you know, we brought Connor in like, like three or four weeks ago, and uh, it's been you know three weeks ago, I guess. Uh, it's been great so far. So hopefully you guys are enjoying uh, his content. A lot of stuff. He's putting a lot of stuff up over at uscfootball.com. It's great to have another set of eyes at practice and you know opinions and all that. And it's great to have Connor joining us with these shows and stuff. So hopefully you guys are enjoying you know his insight. You know, I think that you know the reason we brought him in just because we you know everyone on my staff was like, yeah, he does a really good job. I'm like, all right, well let's hire him. And so that's that's why he's here. Well, thank you so much, Ryan. Yeah. I appreciate it. All right. So hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed it. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in. Uh, remember, so if you did, if you missed at the beginning, salute to Troy. We're trying to find out how you can get tickets for that, but it's the Trojan Athletic Fund, I believe. It might not be open to the public yet, but hopefully it will be. Um, uh, they're doing an event. Uh, it's August 18th, Friday. They start at like 5.30 or 6. Uh, we're going to do something over at Trader Joe's at like 3.30 with a meet and greet and <laughs> Trader Joe's gift bags. Uh, so, if, you know, not gift bags, the uh, reusable bags. So make sure you go check all, all that stuff out because it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll try to get some players to come out too so you can talk with them. But you can talk with our staff and all that and uh, just – Get a feel for what we've seen from fall camp and talk about USC football. We'll have snacks and drinks and it's all free. Um, and we'll have tons of these bags. So make sure you go check it out. We got to do a pose. What, what do you want to, I'm going to pose with the bag here. So what, you can do something. I don't know if you want to just point or whatever, but you know. It doesn't come through if I'm pointing that I'm pointing. You would have to bag, point right? this way, I think. So like, yeah, perfect. Okay. okay so awesome. we'll do it. Here, I'll do it this way. 
All right. Was I still in the frame? Did I go too you, high? You were a little too high. Uh, Want to do that? it again? Yeah, do that one more time. <laughs> this is great podcasting stuff. Okay. Was that okay? I think. Yeah, I think that was better. I probably held that <laughs> on the wrong side, but we're so if you're listening to the podcast, we were like posing for the screenshot. The screenshot for, yeah, we said Chris Trevino started that tradition because, uh, yeah, because he I would always grab a screenshot. He said it was always making him look bad. It's hard to grab mm-hmm. when two people are talking, and I'm I'm not always looking at the. Ca- I try to look at the camera a lot, so just to be how the sausage is made. But I'm like looking at the comments. I'm trying to like produce a show. I'm putting different camera angles up. So it's hard for me to look at the camera all the time. So sometimes I'm looking away. Uh, if you're talking, the microphone might be in front of you. Or you have your eyes closed. It's hard to get a good screenshot sometimes. So <laughs> the little post thing I think helps. Um, all right. Well, we're going to wrap it up. Connor Morissette. I'm Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. And we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.